Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Friday, February the 18th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, American Netflix or BBC iPlayer or ITV Hub or RTE Player, depending on what you want, Liberty Shield can get you there and keep your data safe. Go to LibertyShield.com, use the code ROUTER50 to get your router half price and then get using with your data protected from LibertyShield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and finally do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops which you can find on Etsy. Use the code EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off. Right, folks. It is Friday, so Guy Drinkle is here. We're quickly going to run through the Europa League fixtures from last night and the Europa Conference League and just confirm the results. PSV Eindhoven 1, Maccabee Tel Aviv 0, Cody Gakbo with the only goal of the game to give PSV the advantage. Fenerbahce 2, Slavia Prague 3. Traore put Slavia 1-up. Pelkas equalised before two goals in quick succession from Oscar Dorley and Andre Linger made it 3-1 to Slavia Prague. Kadioglu with the consolation goal or the, the late goal to pull Fenerbahce back in and give them a bit of a fighting chance ahead of the second leg. Great win for Slavia on the road there. Rapid Vienna 2, Vietas Arnhem 1. Uh, Druf and Krul with the goals for Rapid. Openda with a late goal for Vietas to pull them back in, send them home with something to fight for. Mitteljand won PAOK nil. Joel Anderson with the only goal there. Leicester City 4, Randers 1. Ndidi put Leicester 1 up. Hammershoy equalised on 45, but in the second half it was all Leicester. Harvey Barnes, Patson Daka, and Kiernan Dewsbury Hall, the man named after what sounds like some sort of stately home, uh, giving Leicester a comfortable win. That should be enough to see them through. Marseille 3, Quarabeg 1, uh, Arcadius Millock with two goals. Gaddy got one back for Quarabeg, but a late Dimitri Payet goal 
sealed the deal and should be enough for Marseille to find their way through to the next round. Sparta Prague nil, Partizan Belgrade one. Queensy Meneg, one of the best names in football, with the only goal on 78. This is actually the Conference League I've been reading, not the Europa League, uh, in case you hadn't noticed. Uh, but Celtic won, Bodo glimped three. After all my bigging them up, Celtic went and weren't very good. Now, to be fair, they played some good football, and if you did watch the game, I'm sure you saw that. But Bodo played really good football as well, and some of their passing and intricate move- movement was just tremendous. So huge credit to them, big win. But the tie is not over. Celtic could go there and beat them 2-0. Away goals don't count. So, you know, Celtic aren't out of that yet. If they if they turn up in the second leg, they could well have a fighting chance. Espiord had made it 1-0. Pellegrino made it 2-0. Maeda pulled Celtic back in. But Vettelson made it 3-1. It'll be tough for Celtic. It will be tough. But I still hold out some hope. Um, in the Europa League then, the big shock of the night was Dortmund 2, Rangers 4. Uh, Dortmund were absolutely appalling in this game. Tavanier made it 1-0 on 38 minutes with a penalty. Morellas made it 2 on 41. Just after the break, Lundstrom made it 3. Then Dortmund sort of woke up. Jude Bellingham made it 3-1. Dan Axel Zagadou put through his own net to make it 4-1. A late Rafa Guerrero goal pushed it to 4-2 and maybe just gives Dortmund a chance in that second leg. There's no doubt Dortmund are a better team than Rangers. You go up and down their team, like there's not one Rangers player gets into that Dortmund team. Dortmund weren't helped by the fact that Manuel Akanji was for some reason played at right back. Uh, I get that you've got some injuries, but Felix Paslak is sitting on your bench who is a right-back. You could have played him there. Uh, no excuse for that. No excuse for the performance of Mats Hummels. Absolutely abysmal stuff. How he is still being allowed to play games for Borussia Dortmund, I have no idea. But Dortmund need to get their act together and they need to do it quickly, or they will be out of this competition. Now, obviously, no Haaland last night was a big, big blow for them, but such is life. Rangers were missing players as well. They still got on with it and got by. Uh Zenit St. Petersburg 2, Real Betis 3. Guido Rodriguez and William Jose put Betis 2-0 up. Artem Zuba with the first for Zenit. Then Malcolm equalized on 28 minutes. A great first half hour. And Guadardo made it 3-2 on 41. Second half wasn't as good as the first half. But a very good game of football. Very enjoyable. Barcelona won Napoli 0. Zielinski had put Napoli 1 up. Ferran Torres with a penalty on 59 to equalize. A very Wolves-esque performance from Barcelona, which, you know, considering they have Adama Traore, is quite fitting. Lots and lots of shots. Lots and lots of bad decisions made. Uh, I fancy Napoli to knock them out there. Sheriff Tiraspol 2, Braga 0, Till and Traore with the goals there. Sheriff, their European adventure, just continues to roll. They'll go to Braga confident that they can hold out and get through. I said that I thought this one would be the game of the night. I thought it turned out to be that. Robin Lemond, Le, Le, Robin Lenormand put Real Sociedad one up. And Kunku made it 1-1 with his goal for RB Leipzig. Then we had Oyarzabal scoring. And then we had Forsberg scoring both penalties. 2-2 between Leipzig and La Real. A very finely balanced game. Now, 
I think Leipzig will be a bit furious with themselves. They didn't get the win here. They did dominate the game, but L'Oreal were just excellent. Really good defensive performance and very, very committed to how they set up. Porto 2, Lazio 1. Zagagni had put Lazio 1 up on 23, but two Tony Martinez goals on 37 and 49 saw Porto take the advantage for the second leg. Atalanta had to come from behind after Francisco Soares put Olympiacos one up on 16. Two goals for Beriat Jim City on 61 and 63, giving Atalanta the victory. I thought a little bit undeserved. I thought Olympiacos played it close to perfectly. Uh, Sevilla three, Dinamo Zagreb one. Rakitic opened the scoring. Orsic, who probably should be playing for Burnley now, made it 1-1. Ocampos made it 2-1 and Anthony Martial in on loan from Manchester United made it 3-1 just before halftime. Killer blows, two goals in two minutes just before halftime after Dinamo had done really well to work their way back in and get the equaliser. You'd have to fancy Sevilla to, to go through. I fancy them to win the whole competition because, well, it's Sevilla and it's the Europa League. So, you know, who else is going to win it? Uh, and those are the games from last night. Disappointed in Celtic. Rangers, tremendous. Tremendous result. But Dortmund have major questions to answer. Uh, we'll run through the gossip and then we'll take the break, bring in Guy, and we'll run through this weekend's Premier League fixtures where I'll predict them all massively incorrectly. Uh, France striker Kylian Mbappe is believed to have his head turned when it comes to a moving to Liverpool after being underwhelmed by Real Madrid's display during the Champions League match. Like, players don't make a decision on whether to sign for a club or not based on one game. It just doesn't happen. PSG are ready to make Mbappe the world's highest paid player with a basic wage of close to one million a week to stop him from leaving. This is the uh, Miguel Delaney piece I mentioned yesterday. Manchester United's Portugal forward Cristiano Ronaldo could find himself teaming up with Lionel Messi next season at Paris Saint-Germain. I I would bet a substantial amount of money that won't happen. Real Madrid are lining up a summer move for Kieran Tierney. I would guarantee that they're not. Uh, Manchester City are closing in on signing Savio from Atletico Monero. 17-year-old has medicals booked. This is from the spoofer. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, City do love to sign a young Brazilian fellow, though. Uh, Manchester United and England midfielder Declan Rice has seen his hopes of joining Chelsea hit after Thomas Tuchel decided to integrate Conor Gallagher into the Blues' first team next year. Um, well, I wouldn't imagine any decision has been made on Gallagher, and even if there has been, it won't have any impact on the pursuit of Declan Rice. Newcastle are readying a fresh bid for Diego Carlos in the summer. That's predictable. Manchester United still expect Paul Pogba to leave at the end of the season. They should be ushering him out the door. There should be no doubt. They should be ushering him out the door. Roma boss Jose Mourinho wants to sign Eric Bailly from Manchester United. I I really don't think an injury-prone centre-back is fixing Roma's woes. Arsenal and Manchester City are considering a summer move. For Latura Martinez. Latura Martinez would be the perfect striker for City. Absolutely perfect for how they play right now. 
he would be an awful fit at Arsenal. A genuinely awful fit at Arsenal. Who need a number nine? They need a goal scorer, not another link player. You've already got Martinelli for that kind of role. American former Red Bull Salzburg and RB Leipzig boss Jesse Marsh is the first choice of Leeds to succeed Marcelo Bielsa in the summer. Should the, should the club and their famous Argentine manager decide to call it a day? Let's be clear. Leeds are not telling Bielsa that's enough for you. If Bielsa wants to stay for 10 more years, he'll be allowed to stay for 10 more years. It's all on Bielsa. Newcastle scouts are keeping tabs on Jeremy Doku from Rennes, who is rated at 22 million. I think he's rated quite a bit higher than that, certainly by Rennes. Um, he wouldn't make sense for Newcastle at this point. After multiple failed bids to sign Sven Botman in January, Newcastle are already in discussions over some of I don't think they are. There are currently no new talks between Antonio Rudiger's repre- representatives and Chelsea. I, I think if he, look, if he wants the type of money that's been rumoured, let him leave. Just let him leave. Sevilla Sporting Director Anthony Martial is happy Oh, sorry, Sevilla Sporting Director Monchi believes Anthony Martial is happy in Spain following his move from Manchester United. Of course he's happy in Spain. Uh, Bayern Munich will look to replace Robert Lewandowski with Sebastian Haller in the summer. No, they won't. No, they, they, at least make your lies believable. Uh, Arsenal's chief executive has defended the club's lack of spending in the January transfer window. There's no real way to defend how they went about the January transfer window. They made an absolute mess of the entire thing. They spent months chasing a player who had no interest in joining them. Their plan B was quite a bit more expensive. And then the ideal midfielder for them moved to the Premier League this summer while they chased their tail looking at bringing in Artur on loan. Um... AC Milan have joined Borussia Dortmund and Barcelona in the race to sign Nazar Mazzuri, who will Mazraoui, rather, who will leave Ajax when his contract expires in the summer. That's from the spoofer, but he look he's just naming names of clubs that could do with a right back. There's there's no real reporting in this at all. Um and that's it, that's the gossip. So we'll take the break. When we come back, young Drinkle will be here and we're gonna run through the 10 Premier League games for the weekend. Right, welcome back. So, I am joined by Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am excellent, Dave. How are you? I am tremendous. Tremendous on this Friday. Uh, Right, we have 10 Premier League games this weekend, so let's get cracking. Yeah, so the first game should be an interesting one. Obviously, Saturday, half 12, no Friday on this weekend. West Ham against resurgent Newcastle? Yeah, the tune, the team in form at the bottom of the table. Three wins in a row, unbeaten in their last five. West Ham's form has been a little bit mixed. Two wins, two defeats, and a draw in their last five. They're part of that group of teams that don't really seem to want to finish fourth, uh, but are in the mix to do so anyway. 
going into the game, we know that Newcastle have injury problems because they've had injury problems all season. But Manquia was out. Fernandez is out. Target is back. Lascelles is back. But Hayden is not registered. Lewis not registered. Wilson is out. Richie is out. And Trippier is out. That's a lot of players to be missing when you're not very good. Uh, for West Ham, Zuma, they're hoping to have him back. Bowen, they should have back. He had a bit of a knock. Ogbonna is out and Masuaka is out. So you'd imagine it'll be close to full strength for West Ham and a lot of players missing for Newcastle. You'd have to give West Ham the advantage at home. They're just a flat-out better team than Newcastle. We'll go 2-0 to the Hammers. Yeah, I think with Trippier out, I mean, obviously, he seems to have brought something, especially in the attacking regard with them, and he seems to somewhat of a leader and stuff like that. I know people have been impressed with that, so yeah, it's a, it's a big miss, and obviously him scoring set pieces every other week, regardless if they go through the wall or not, it's a, it's a weapon they're missing, but yeah, West Ham should win that. Uh, now, next game, Arsenal-Brentford. Brentford, obviously this is the first game of the uh, season, uh, for Brentford, their first Premier League game. How the seasons changed for them, eh? Yeah, very much so. Um, we've obviously seen Brentford have a good start and then just be really, really shaky. <clears throat> Ever since, they've had a couple of extended runs of defeats. They did get a draw last time out and they sort of rectified some of their issues. But they do look very, very questionable defensively. They've had some injury problems themselves, obviously, with a small squad that does lack quality. That's a big issue. Ivan Tony is a doubt. Jorgensen, Fosu, Janvir and Eriksson all out. Eriksson's just working his way back. Obviously, it'll be some time before um, he's ready to play. I think they're playing a friendly match on Monday. Maybe that was last Monday that he was expected to play, in, but I wouldn't expect him to play in this game. As for the Gunners... Martinelli suspended, Leno has COVID, and Tommy Asu has a calf injury, so he's a doubt. You'd still expect Arsenal to win this game at home with a bit of a chip on their shoulder for Brentford as well after what happened in that opening day and how they were criticised for being soft and that. But don't be surprised if we see Brentford, if especially if Tony plays, really go the aerial route in this game and just start launching balls into that Arsenal box to see how they deal with them from set pieces, from throw-ins, even in open play, just putting the ball into that box as much as possible and getting Ivan Tony to try and go and contest things. Now, if Tony's not there, that's not an option for them because they, they loaned out Marcus Fours in January and they don't have any other striker who's ha even half-decent in the air. Bizarre de decision. But, you know, they'll have to live with it. Um, I, I'm I'm going to go comfortable Arsenal win 3-0. Ooh. Haven't Arsenal, Arsenal have had a bit of a break, didn't they? Weren't they meant to play Chelsea whilst they were at the uh, Club World Cup as well? So they might they well were, so they're going to be yeah. fresh. Now, look, that can also rusty. mean rusty. Yeah. Yep. can also mean rusty. And Arsenal's game next weekend is called off as well because that was meant to be against Liverpool. But Liverpool right. are playing Chelsea in the League Cup final. So... This is a game Arsenal have to have to win, and you know they've got this one. Then they get Wolves in the week, and they obviously just played Wolves, 
but that was a rescheduled game. Uh, sorry, this one coming is the rescheduled game. Maybe the last one. One of them was a rescheduled game. It doesn't really matter which. Mm-hmm. But Wolves will be wanting a victory because they'll feel hard done by by the game at Molyneux. And that's going to be a really tough game for Arsenal. And then they don't play again till the 6th of March. So while they'll have games in hand, other teams may have opened a gap on them. And you'd obviously rather have points on the board than games in hand. So for Arsenal, it is important that they win this game because that Wolves game could be tough. They could drop points there and then they'd start to fall away from the likes of United and potentially West Ham who are in that, you know, that top four mix with them. Yeah, so big game for Arsenal. Probably big game for Brentford as well because they've got to stem the tide, haven't they, a bit. Um, But yeah, we'll move on to, well... A struggling team and an out of form team. I mean, Villa's last couple of performances have been pretty, pretty ugly. I mean, the loss against Newcastle. I'm sure you listened to the Villa podcast as well. <laughs> they deemed it the worst Villa performance they've probably ever seen, and the draw with Leeds looks worse every time Leeds plays. I think. Yeah, very much so. Um, I've said this before. Unfortunately for Gerrard and for Villa, their new manager bounce included a period where they played Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea. And even though they put up a really good performance, especially in the second half against City, a decent performance at Anfield, though a bit cowardly in the approach, they lost all three of those games. And after the feel-good factor of you know winning the first couple under Gerrard, it really did bring them back down to earth quite quickly. Uh, Villa have lost 12 games this season. The only teams who've lost more are Brentford, Norwich, and Watford. That really isn't good. What saved them is that they've won eight games. They've won more games than Brighton, for example. Like They've won the, I believe, ninth most games in the division. So they're just one of those teams that don't draw a whole lot of games. They either win or they lose. And unfortunately for them, they've lost too many this season. Going into this game, no Nakamba. Konza is suspended, which is a big blow, and Bertrand Traore is still injured. So, you know, they could do with Nakamba back in midfield. Konza's their best centre-back, but it's it's Watford. That's the, the thing to remember. It is Watford. Now, Watford will have no Nkolo, and they're hoping Peter Atibo could be fit, but it seems unlikely that he would start this one. Um, you'd have to fancy Villa to win at home. If they don't, I really don't know what to say. Like, there's no excuse for them in this game. Watford are not good. Villa have good players. Villa should win the game. I'll go... I'll go 3-1 Villa. I do think the likes of Saar and Dennis will cause Villa some trouble, especially with, with no Konza there. But Villa should still have enough, and I think Coutinho will find a lot of space and opportunity in this game. And one thing Watford don't do very well is track runners from midfield, so you could see Ramsey find himself getting a lot of opportunities to break mm. into that Watford box. I'll go 3-1 Villa. Yeah, it should be interesting either way. Next up, the Battle of the Bees, Brighton against Burnley. Um, Brighton's season's pretty much done. I mean, they're not going to get Europe, they're not going to get relegated, probably going to finish around 10th, 
Obviously, that doesn't mean they're just going to lose every game from now on, but they're pretty much already safe with 33 points, whereas mm. the opposite for Burnley, they need wins. They need goals. They have looked Burnley, better, but yeah. No, Burnley no do need sure. wins. Mm. Burnley need wins in the biggest possible way. Um, Brighton, like you said, look, Brighton are going to be happy enough. They, they'd take 9th or 10th if someone offered it to them because it's a, you know, it's a big step in the right direction for them. Um, they've obviously struggled for victories this season. They've drawn a lot of games. They haven't lost many, only five defeats, and only the top three have lost less games than them. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, defensively, we know they've been good in front of goal. They haven't been good. That's just the Brighton way. And, and until they get a, a proper striker, it will be the way. Um, going into this game, they have no Sarmiento. Dunk is suspended, which is a big blow. Muepu is out, and McAllister they hope to have back. For Burnley, no Vidra. Taylor might be back, but it seems unlikely. Uh, Goodmanson is still out, and they're hopeful that Veghorst is fine. This one reeks of a draw. Brighton have drawn 12 of their 24 games. Burnley have drawn 11 of their 21 games. I'm going to go for the draw. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw here. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And that would be a really good result for Burnley. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends if they can win their winnable games. But I suppose we mentioned Brighton last week. These are the games they tend to slip up in. But it's whether Burnley have enough goals. Isn't Veghurst? I think Dice said he should be fit. But he picked up the injury against us, didn't he? He did. He picked up. He, he, He had an awkward fall. And um, you'll just have to excuse me. I'm a bit distracted by the fact that a, a snow blizzard has just appeared in front of the window. <laughs> I'm sure people um, can hear the wind through my mic as well. So that's, that's, yeah. that's where the storm's going for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, if you're out in the storm today, please do stay safe. Why are you listening to this? Go home. <laughs> yes, exactly. Focus on what you're doing and uh, get inside. Look out a wheelie bin. <laughs> that is crazy. And don't get on any boats or planes. That's my real big advice for today. Don't get in a boat or a plane. Um, yeah, he picked up the knock against us. It's a, it's a little nerve in his hip, I think, that was just giving him some aggro. But Dyche says he should be fine. Um, without Lewis Dunk there, that could be that could be an area where Burnley can can expose some weakness in that Brighton team. Uh, but I'll go one one. It just it smells of a draw. Yeah, it'll be uh surprise that one's not on telly, but I suppose Burnley have been on a bit recently. Next up then we have the returning Chelsea as world champions now. Um against Crystal Palace. I have no idea how well Crystal Palace have been doing recently. As expected, draws and losses. Draws uh, and losses, yeah. yeah. They've hit a bit of a rough patch for the season, but they're still playing good football. That's mm. the the thing to remember. They are playing good football. Now obviously big blow for Palaces that Connor Gallagher can't play. Uh, but Will Hughes and Czech Koyate are back, and they should be fine to go. Nathan Ferguson is out for a little while. He had a bit of a setback with his hamstring, but that's to be expected after he's missed nearly two years. For Chelsea, Reese James is still out. Mason Mount is a doubt. Uh, he hurt his ankle ligaments in the World Club Cup. Loftus-Cheek is back, and Ben Chilwell, of course, is out for the season. It, it should be a game that Palace, or that, that Chelsea rather win, but this is the type of game they've been slipping up in this season as well. Now, I know they beat 
uh, uh, Palace on the opening day beat them comfortably. But Palace have come a long, long way since then. And at Selhurst Park, I think this is a difficult game for Palace, or for, for Chelsea, rather. I can't get their names unmuddled. I'm going to say Chelsea will win the game purely on the balance of talent. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I think it will be a very, very close game. It wouldn't surprise me if Palace got a result here. It wouldn't even surprise me if Palace won this game. But Chelsea are the better team. I'll go 2-1 to Chelsea. Similar story in the Liverpool-Norwich game, you'd have to say. Obviously, without the possible questions of rustiness for Chelsea. Obviously, they've been away in a different continent and whatnot, whereas Liverpool, a tough game midweek, but got through it in, in with a good result. And uh, mm. again, Burnley, tough place, tough tough game, but good result, etc. But Norwich at home, we saw them against City last weekend. They even played quite well, considering it's Norwich, but they didn't get... What well they weren't didn't deserve anything, but it's a much easier game, I'd have to say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look against City, Norwich were decent until the first goal went in. They actually gave City a bit mm. of a game until the first goal went in, and then City just sort of pull away from them. And that's what City do. When City get a goal on you, and you have to open up a bit, they just start to find, you know, where the weaknesses are in your team, and they will carve you apart. Um. Norwich coming into this game with no Lucas Rupp, no Tim Krul, no Jakob Sorensen, no Adam Day, and Adam Day has been ruled out for the season. Oh, that's a massive, massive blow. We were talking about him on the scouted pod on Anfield Index Pro yesterday, and what an important player he is. They were hoping he wouldn't be out for long, but that's obviously an, an injury that needs surgery that's a huge blow because he'd been playing really well um andrew omabamadeli is uh also out with a back injury so key players missing for norwich liverpool missing diogo jota it's an ankle problem they're hopeful it won't take too long liverpool are going to win this game look this is at anfield liverpool have beaten norwich twice already this season yes norwich have improved of late but liverpool are a much much better team Liverpool will win this game comfortably. I am going to say 3-0. Yeah, I think it should really be like that. Um, Next up, then, we have Southampton at home against Everton. It's hard discussing Everton, because obviously, awful against Newcastle, good against Leeds. But whether that means, does that mean Everton are good or Leeds are terrible? I suppose this will be the game to answer that. Yeah, I think it will. And unfortunately for Everton, Yerry Mina is out. Ben Godfrey is out. Uh, Abdoulaye Dekoure is still out. He he could be back on the bench for this one, but it doesn't look promising. Damari Gray is out. Michaelenko had COVID, but he's back now, so he, he should come back in. Tom Davies is out. And Fabian Delphi. There's a lot of players to be out, especially Mina and Godfrey, who are the two best central central defenders. And Decore, the best central midfielder, and Gray, your only natural winger who's, you know, worthy of starting. For Saints, Tella is a doubt. Redmond is back. Bednarak is back. Elianasi is back. McCarthy is out. And Leanku is out. Saints come into this game <clears throat> playing pretty well. Now, they haven't always gotten the results that they've deserved, but two wins and two draws from the last five is decent. Uh, 
Whereas with Everton, they had lost four in a row in the Premier League coming into this one. Southampton probably expected zero points from them games as well, to be fair. Yeah, to be fair, it was a tough run. A really tough run of games. Uh, I think Southampton will win this game. This is at St. Mary's. They're the better team. They're the more informed team. And when you've got a player like James Ward-Prowse that can deliver the quality that he can, especially from set pieces, and Everton are appalling at defending set pieces. Frank Lampard's Chelsea notoriously were as well, weren't they? Yes, absolutely. And, and his Derby team. So that's a him thing as well. Mm. But, I mean, look, Everton were poor at defending set pieces under Benitez and, and Carlo too. Especially with Mina not on the team. He's by far their best aerial presence. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Saints win. Yeah, that should be an interesting game to keep an eye on. Should be a good one, yeah, Mm. should be a good one. Possibly, well, probably is the biggest game of the weekend, is Man City against Spurs, but is it really? Because Spurs have been so bad recently. Absolutely dreadful. Like, Davinson Sanchez, the player we saw in the Europa League run all them years ago. Hmm. Where where he be? Doesn't <laughs> where exist did he anymore. go? Doesn't exist anymore. It's a strange thing. Maybe without Matthias Delict holding his hand, a seventeen-year-old holding player. his hand. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. You know, um, Spurs have Ollie Skip ruled out, but Eric Dyer is back, and they they're happy to have him back. So that means Davinson probably doesn't play. They'll go Romero right side, Dyer in the middle. The issue is Ben Davies will still have to play on the left side. Uh, Tanganga is a doubt, but Bergvine is back. For City, uh, Jack Grealish is is injured. No real word on what the injury is. I think they're, they're suggesting it's maybe shin splints or something, but who knows. Um, Gabriel Jesus is a doubt. Zach Steffen is injured. Uh, Benjamin Mendy obviously is never going to play football again, and Cole Palmer is out. I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I, I this I think is a really interesting game because Spurs come in having lost three in a row. City obviously are in very very good form. Four wins from the last five. City are top of the league and nine points clear. Though Liverpool have the game in hand, but there's something about this game that makes me feel like Spurs could take could take a point from it. I don't think they'll win. But if they could if they can get the first goal, I think City are vulnerable. And with Sun back, I think they can cause City trouble. Is Dyer fit? Yes, yes, Dyer is fit. So Dyer is going to start almost certainly as the middle centre back. How is he so got that? <laughs> So you go Romero, Dyer, Davies. It's still not great. It's still not great at all. Look, Eric Dyer's not not good, but he's, he's better than Davinson uh, Sanchez at the minute. Yeah, that's the thing. He's Dyer. better in a three. In a three, he's better than Davinson. I'm going to go on a limb and say one-one. Yeah, I'm not sure. No real, no real rhyme or reason or logic to it. I'm just going. I just, it's a gut feeling thing more than anything. I'm going to say one-one. I hope you're right. <laughs> uh, moving on to Sunday, then, we'll go into Leeds against Man United, a, a rivalry um, 
which we haven't we, well, we've obviously had in the last couple of years, but we've kind of gone quick. It, is this is this always been a rivalry since the seventies, or did it start in the Premier League? No, this has been a rivalry a long time yeah. because okay. there it's the it's the old Yorkshire versus Lancashire right, okay, sort of rivalry uh, encapsulated in this. Um, well, see, the thing is, back in the seventies, everybody hated Leeds. Don Revy's team were were roundly despised in the sixties and seventies because they were they were great first of all, but they were very very aggressive and they bordered on thuggish behaviour. And there's mm. a couple of famous Brian Clough uh, statements calling them cheats and stuff when he was the manager at Derby, and then when he took over at Leeds, he told them they could take all of the, their cups and medals and pots and pans and throw them all in the bin because they'd won none of them honestly. Um, so yeah, this one has always been a bit of a rivalry and it, it, it's had, you know, times where it's been very, very intense, like the early nineties, the, the end of the football league kind of era before the premier league started that last season, United were going for their first title in 26 years. Leeds were going for their first title in, I want to say it was 16 or 17 years and Leeds beat them to the title. Um, and then obviously the Cantona move and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's it's a long a long running rivalry that we hadn't seen for a while when Leeds were down in the lower divisions. But since coming back up, United have spanked them twice. They spanked them at Old Trafford last year and this year, and then there was a draw at Ellen Road last year. Um, no Cooper, no Phillips, no Hield. No Bamford, no Greenwood. That's that's a lot. Firpo is a doubt. Dallas is a major doubt. Um, it's a lot of players to be missing for Leeds, and it's been the case for them all season. For United, no Cavani's unlikely. Matic is back. Varane is back. Baye is fine. Uh, Heaton is out, and obviously Greenwood is is suspended. You'd have to fancy United to win this game, but Leeds are just such a weird team that they pick up results when you don't expect them to. And they have won two and drawn one of the last five. United are unbeaten in five, but it hasn't been pretty at all. Um, and obviously draws against you know teams like Middles, uh, Middlesbrough in the Cup and then going out the draw against Burnley, the draw against Southampton. Those aren't good results at all. So this one will be tough, and I think they'll have an eye on midweek, so they might rotate a little bit. But United should win the game, and I'm going to back them to win. I'll say 2-1 United. Yeah, it should. Well, on paper, they should win, especially Leeds, the injuries and whatnot. But, uh, yeah. Last game then, Wolves and Leicester. And Leicester won last... Yeah, they won last night, didn't they? Um, but Wolves, mm, Wolves have been probably... The best of the rest teams, you'd probably say. Um, I'd have to favour um, Wolves in this one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, at, at Molyneux, uh, Wolves seventh in the league, only six points off fourth, but with three games in hand. Sorry, two ga- two games in hand, two games in hand. Um, so you know they they are in the mix for top four. I don't think they'll get top four, obviously, but they're certainly there, pushing on having a good season, still the second best defensive record in the league, though they have still scored the third least goals in the league. 
But if you want a team to score some goals against Leicester are a, a fairly good candidate. They're really poor defensively this season. Leicester have no Johnny Evans, no Timothy Castanier, no Vardy, no Justin, no Fafana, uh, no Bertrand. Sionchu is a major doubt, and Madison is a doubt. So it is going to be a patch together, Leicester team. For Wolves, no Neto. They're hopeful that next month he will be back. Willie Bolly is still out. Mosquera is almost back. That will be a big plus for them, a good option to bring in at centre-back. Jean Moutinho, they're hopeful he'll be back. So they should be, you know, as close to full strength as they've been this season because obviously Neto's missed all season. I think Mascara played three or four games before he got hurt. Um, So, you know, and, and Bolly's a, a backup anyway. So it should be pretty much a full-strength Wolves or what's been this season's full-strength Wolves against a, a very much patched-together Leicester team. We may be seeing Ndidi and Amarty at centre-back again um, because I, I don't imagine he's going to want to play Yannick Vestergaard. Even Brendan has realised the error of his ways with Yannick Vestergaard. I am going to say a 2-0 Wolves win to wrap up this week's games. Good stuff. Not a Velasquez. That is it. So that is us then for today. That is me for the week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Mr. Drinkle. And we will see you next week. Enjoy the weekend. Stay safe in this storm. As I said earlier, just don't get any planes or boats. You should be all right. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.